This morning we'll turn to God's holy word and we'll look at two different passages of the Old Testament. Uh, First of all, we'll go to the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll read from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12. Read the verses 1 through 8. The heading in my Bible says, Remember your Creator in your youth. We're still young. We are still able to do so many things, and we think that we have a whole life ahead of us. But the preacher reminds us as we go from youth and as we age, there's also a time that we enter into the elderly stage, and we also have to deal with old age. And so he describes what happens as we enter into the last years of our life. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders seize because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And then we turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 92. Psalm 92 has the, the heading above the psalm, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. So this is a song that was sung in the, in the temple worship and also in, in Israel on the Sabbath day um, in the beginning. Uh, each day of the week would have a, a different song, and this was the song that was sung on the Sabbath. It was probably not the original purpose uh, of this song. The song itself doesn't speak of the Sabbath, but it certainly gives glory and praise to God and therefore is appropriate as a psalm for the Sabbath. So we begin reading God's word in verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man uh, cannot know, the fool cannot understand, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. 
But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of, a wild, of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and grain to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. So far, our reading from the word of our God. Let us sing together in response to God's word, the words of hymn 74. Hymn 74.
This morning our text will be found from Psalm 92. We'll look at Psalm 92 through verses 14 and 15 of this chapter. At the very end, the psalmist speaks about those who are elderly, old age. And so this morning we'll also be dealing with the challenges of old age, but also the purpose of our life as we become uh, older. And so, although in some ways perhaps you can say the message might be directed more towards those who are elderly, uh, yet the principles that we will look at this morning apply to all of us. Uh, For the moment that we're born, uh, we already begin to age. And as we age, uh, we're encouraged by the Lord to also age well in a way in which we learn more and more to to serve him so that also in our elderly years uh, we may be a blessing to the Lord, and also a blessing within his church. So Psalm 92, let's read together those verses, last two verses of the chapter, where the psalmist says, They shall bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and grain, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Brothers, Sisters, children of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe children. When you think about your dad and your mom, what do you think about them? Are they old? Do you think about dad and mom as being old? Well, how about your grandfather, your grandmother? Maybe you call them Opa and Oma. Maybe you call them grandpa or grandma, or maybe you call them something else. But what do you think about them? You think about them as being very old? Well, you know, when we think of old people, well, when you're children, you know, when you look up at those who are old, old people aren't very fast. You run. You run circles around them, but they walk, and they often walk slowly. And sometimes you see old people who walk with a cane or a walking stick to, to help them to walk. Some even may have a walker on wheels that they push in front of them. And when some get very old, uh, they may even have to sit in a wheelchair. Well, you know, nobody stays young. We all grow up. We all become older until we, too, become old. And sometimes people will say, you know, we all want to become old, but nobody wants to be old. And so it can be frustrating when we can no longer see very well with our eyes and when our hearing goes. Someone recently said to me, you know, when you can no longer hear well, you can feel very lonely, very lonely in a room that is full of people. Because you may have all these people around you, and they're all talking, and they're all trying to maybe also talk to you, but you can no longer understand what the people are talking about, so you feel all left out. And there comes a time, so when you get older, that the doctor might say to you, you know what, you can no longer drive your car, and you feel your whole world crashing in on you. You've lost the freedom uh, that you used to have to be able to go places whenever you want, and now you depend on other people to do things for you that you could do before on your own. Well, we live today in a society where you can say that youth and vigor is prized 
while those who are old are thought to be of less value to society. Yesterday I was looking to see how society might look at old people, and I thought I'll just take a look and see what Google would come up with regard to some of these cartoons that you find in the, in the papers with regard to old age. And actually, when I was looking through all those different cartoons, it was kind of disgusting. Most of them are cartoons I wouldn't even want to, to show anybody, and yet these are things that are placed in your daily newspapers. These were the way that people viewed people old age. They're not very pretty and not very nice ways of thinking about getting older. And so the elderly often are seen as being a, a drag on society. People think of elderly as people who no longer are, are productive, and, and when they retire, uh, they, re, uh, they kind of lose their, their value to society. Uh, people can also become embittered by the fact that the elderly are the ones who take up most of the medical resources today. And so there have been societies in the past, and it seems to me that our society today is going in the same direction, who have looked to euthanasia as a means to be able to lighten the burden. Back in June, uh, there was a National Post article uh, that, that appeared, to, and that was talking about a recent study that had come out, I believe it was in Calgary, that claimed that doctor-assisted suicide could save Canada tens of millions of dollars annually by avoiding costly end-of-care care, or end-of-life care. And so that reveals to us also that the elderly are not always valued as an important resource in our society. And people do not always get, and, and the elderly do not always get the respect that they should receive. Well, Psalm 92 speaks about the elderly in a, in a respectful way. The psalmist recognizes their great value to our society. In fact, if society does not value the contributions of the elderly, it will have a negative impact on our society. This respect for the elderly becomes also very clear at the end of the psalm when the psalmist says, The elderly who are righteous, they will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. And so this morning, I may proclaim to you God's word under this theme, The righteous shall bear fruit in old age. Or a theme, the righteous will still bear fruit in old age. We're going to look at three things. First of all, we look at the, the negative image of old age. Secondly, staying fresh in old age. And thirdly, bearing fruit in old age. We know that throughout our whole life, we are constantly aging. Now, when you're still children, I think children, perhaps some of you can't wait to get older. Maybe you're already looking eagerly forward to your next birthday when you'll be one year more. If you're in elementary school, you might even be in a hurry to want to finish elementary school so that you can go to, to high school. If you're in high school, maybe you're already looking forward to, to going to college or to university or maybe looking forward to going to, to, to work. And if you're in university, you're already looking forward to work or to a career. When you're still a teenager... Maybe you're looking forward to getting your driver's license. And then after you get your driver's license, you might start thinking about maybe looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. 
And once you're a boyfriend or girlfriend, you start thinking about marriage. And, and once you think about marriage, you're thinking about having children. And then you become a senior. And you become a senior, you no longer have those milestones to look forward to with eagerness. Basically, you can say you've hit all the important events in your life, and, and now maybe the only tension that we have is hitting the anniversary uh, dates. So when we think about getting older, we like to think that we can all age gracefully. But that's just not the reality. As we grow older, we become aware that our bodies begin to wear out. Our health slowly begins to deteriorate. Our, si- our eyesight goes around the age of 40. Around 50 or so, we start getting different kinds of ailments. And so it goes. Each decade, there are more things that we have to deal with. Well, we can be thankful that we, today we live in a society where we have uh, medications that can help us and deal with many of the health issues that keep cropping up in our, in our lives as we get older. But we also need to realize that the Bible does not sugarcoat the challenges of getting older. We read together from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and there we're given a realistic picture of what it is, what it is like uh, to become older. There the preacher in Ecclesiastes is reflecting on the things that, that he sees happening around him in this world. And he looks at this life from a human perspective and he concludes that everything he says is vanity, it is empty, it is meaningless. And so he begins in chapter 12, verse 1, he remembers the days of youth as the days before trouble comes. He thinks about those carefully carefree days when he was still young. But then the years approach, he says, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, referring to the last years of our life. And then he describes also those last years of our life. He says the keepers of the house in verse 3, the likely referring reference here to our fingers and to our hands, they tremble. And he speaks about the strong man who now stoops or bends over. Right? You used to be standing up straight, and, and now in your old age, we bend over. Or he speaks about the grinders. He's talking about teeth. He says they seize because they are few. Right? Our teeth fall out when we get older. And he, says, and he speaks about those who are looking through the windows, that is, through our eyes that grow dim. And finally, he says, man goes to his eternal home. And so the, the preacher here is, you can say, brutally honest about what he sees. And from a human perspective, it all seems, he says, empty and meaningless. You know, another psalmist, Psalm 71, another the psalmist speaks about his enemies. And he talks about the enemies who have come and who oppose him. Now that he is an old man, so the psalmist, maybe David, uh, is speaking here in his old age. And now that, he's, now that he's old, he says, the youth, the youth no longer respect me. They think that because I no longer am full of energy and full of the vigor of youth, that they can have their way with me. And if it is David, perhaps he's thinking here about his son Absalom. Absalom as a young man. No longer had any respect for his old father, King David. In fact, he saw an opportunity to overthrow his father in his old age and to take the throne for himself. And so the younger generation often no longer than has respect for the older generation. And 
they're looking for a means by which they might be able to take over from them. And so from a, a purely human perspective, old age is when you are so-called over the hill. Life is often seen as a downward spiral when people no longer have any purpose and no longer have any meaning for life. But beloved, the scriptures reveal a different perspective for the aging process. That means that we also need to be careful as believers that we do not take over the humanistic understanding that our world has about aging. Oh, yes, we need to understand there are real challenges to aging. But we also need to recognize and see that there are also real blessings to aging as well. In Psalm 92, the psalmist insists that the man or the woman who serves God will still bear fruit in old age. He will still stay fresh and green. Well, you know, for a, a tree to bear fruit, a tree needs to be fresh. It needs to be green. If that's true for a tree... The psalmist says it's also true for us if we, want to bear a, if we want to bear fruit in our old age. But the question really arises in our minds as we think about it is, but if my body wears down, if my physical energy is being sapped with age, how can the psalmist then say that we will stay fresh and we will stay green, full of zap? Well, beloved, the problem is that humanly, Speaking, we think about being fresh and green in a physical sense. But the psalmist here is speaking in a spiritual way. The value that, that those who grow old give to society, that value can never be measured by what they can contribute in a physical or in a material kind of way. But it needs to be measured by what they contribute in a spiritual way. I would say here that the same principle applies with regard to those brothers and sisters who may have physical and who may have mental handicaps in their lives. Their value, whether they're mentally or physically handicapped, their value can never be measured by the material things that they can contribute to our society. Because when you measure it in that way, they are indeed, they are indeed a burden. But beloved, there are other intangible things, much more important things, that they bring to society, that we must recognize and see as a blessing from the Lord. And so the psalmist makes a delightful contrast between uh, the senseless, the ESV has the stupid man in verse 6, and the righteous man in verse 12. The word for senseless or stupid indicates a, a person in the original Hebrew, a person who has the mind of an animal, a brute. Mind of an animal that is unable to reason, unable to understand. Psalmist says such a person is, is a fool, for he or she is unable to see how great the works of God are, in verse 5, or how profound God's thoughts and how profound God's plans are in this world. Right? When the mind of a man remains dark, and when the mind of a man is not enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist says such a person is unable to understand. He or she is not able to recognize the great work of God here in this world. For God's work, he says, and God's plans they, for this world, they are profound. But such a person who is senseless, 
scoffs at God's ways. And he or she says, you know, if there is a God, God wouldn't allow things to happen this way. God wouldn't do things the way things are going on in the world today. And they mock the very idea of the existence of God. Well, in verse 7, he speaks about the fact that, that the wicked have, have indeed have, have the mind of animals and are, and are without understanding. And yet he says, notice he says, they will spring up like grass and evildoers will flourish in this life. He says, well, take a look. Take a look at those unspiritual people who are ungodly. And, and you will see that many of them, they're going to achieve great earthly things. Many of these senseless people will indeed be successful people from an earthly perspective. Many will build great businesses. Many will become fabulously rich. Others will become famous. And others will become known for many of the things that they may have accomplished. And so there are many examples of unbelievers of ungodly who have made a great name for themselves in this world and Humanly speaking, we would say, oh, they have made a great contribution uh, to our society. But you notice the psalmist says, he says, their, their achievements should be compared to grass. Grass that quickly springs up. But you know, grass, grass doesn't have a very long life cycle. Grass springs up quickly, and, and when the heat and the drought comes, it withers and it dies just as quickly, and it will be destroyed, he says, forever. And so for all, the great, for all the great achievements such people may have made during their short life here on this earth, he says it is but like a flash in the pan where they will not have any lasting influence on the earth. Compare that to the righteous man in verse 12. Well, first of all, righteous people are, are all those who look to the Lord God in faith for their life and for their salvation. A righteous person is somebody who understands uh, that they depend on the Lord for everything in their life. And so the psalmist says, he says, a righteous person will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So you notice here the wicked compared to grass, but the righteous to the palm and to the cedar trees. The wicked and the righteous enjoy about the same number of years. Right? We, we live about the same number of years as, as the ungodly do even as, as people who, who, who serve the Lord. And yet, the psalmist says, one is like the grass, and the other is like those graceful, majestic, stately trees. And these trees, he says, well, they put down deep roots in the earth, and, and they grow up to be tall trees. And so you have the grass. The grass can easily be overlooked. You know, we kind of walk over it. But the trees, they get your attention. The palm trees in Jerusalem, they cannot be missed. And then the cedar trees in Lebanon, and there are people look up to them with awe and wonder because of their majesty and their splendor. There's something majestic and glorious about these trees, but there's also something permanent. The grass withers quickly, but the trees, they stand and they grow for years. And with their deep roots, they can withstand dry periods and still survive. They will remain fresh and green. So the question then is, so what is it that sets the senseless fool apart from the righteous? Well, the palm and the cedar tree, verse 13 says, are planted in the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the courts of our God. 
Notice these trees, they, they grow in the courtyard of the temple. They are rooted in the house of the Lord. And so the picture we have here is that the life of the righteous person is rooted in the Lord God himself. The wicked live away from God, but the believer lives each day in the presence of Almighty God. His attitude is, is like that of verse 2 of, our, of the psalm in which the righteous proclaim God's love in the morning and God's faithfulness at night. Right, a righteous man is somebody who from early in the morning, the psalmist says, to late at night, all day long, he or she proclaims the love and the faithfulness of God. So you see what makes a person fresh and green in old age is that their life is deeply rooted in the life of Almighty God. Now when we're younger, maybe we have young families, we can become overwhelmed by all the activities of life and the concerns of life as, as we're raising our children. The result sometimes is that the Lord is not really the focus in our lives as, as he should be there. It can also happen when you get older and you become empty nesters and, and you retire. You retire, your focus may then be so much on f- enjoying those first years of your retirement that, that again, the Lord takes a back seat as you're busy trying to enjoy your life here on this earth. But when you become older, enter into old age, there may be more time to, to reflect on your relationship with God. And as our bodies grow weaker and as the reality of our frailty sets in, the result is that we begin to set down deeper and deeper roots in the courts of the Lord. Now here, this is not just something that's important for those who are in their old age. Here's an important principle for every one of us. No matter what our age, whether we're still young or middle-aged or in our first years of our golden years or later on, What is important here, beloved, is that year by year we continue to grow in that relationship that we have with the Lord our God. And we need to understand also this point, and that is that the greatest impact that you can make on this world is not how much money you're going to be able to leave behind for your children or how much money you might be able to leave behind for other causes on which perhaps somebody might put your name. And it's not about how many great things you're able to build during your lifetime here on this earth. But the greatest impact that you can leave behind is a spiritual one that will last for generations to come. Your children, your grandchildren need to be able to look back on your whole life. And they, may, and they have to be able to also witness and say, no, my dad and my mom and my grandfather and my grandmother, they were, uh, they were people of faith. I remember my mom, my dad, my grandfather, my grandmother as a man, a woman of faith. I remember how they lived close to the Lord. I remember how they were like a palm tree or a cedar tree that were planted in the courts of the Lord. And beloved, it becomes clear how fresh and green a person's life really is when you get to the end and you get to the deathbed. Because there at the deathbed, it's an elderly person 
we're able to proclaim to all those around us the, our confidence in the Lord, our God. It's also when a family are gathered around one who is passing on from this life to the next. The greatest testimony is when we see a loved one being able to confidently also witness their, uh, their full expectation that they will be passing on into a life of glory with the Lord. And beloved, that faith, that confidence isn't something that you just get at the last day. That faith, that confidence is one that we are to nurture throughout our whole life, already from the beginning. It should already begin there in your youth. It must already be visible to your children as you raise them up in the fear of the Lord. It must be evident also in your old age, even as your bodies begin to waste away, that your faith remains fresh and green, never wavering, but fully trusting in the love and the faithfulness of your God. And when our faith is fresh and when it is green, the psalmist says, then we will still bear fruit in our old age. In our society, it's often thought that the elderly really don't have a whole lot left to offer to society. Perhaps there may be a couple of reasons. First place, it may be the very attitude that the elderly, that the elderly themselves have. It may be the attitude that people often have when they retire. Where we look forward to retirement, and when we get to that age of retirement, and we think to ourselves, you know, I put in my time. I've sacrificed a lot of energy uh, throughout my, my earlier years in life. I'm now entitled to free time, enjoy my own life. And we think to ourselves, you know, now is the time for the younger generation to take over. And so the idea is that we have earned the right to a nice retirement and we can lay aside all our responsibilities. Think about the golden years or years to be enjoyed to the fullest without any commitments. So we retire from our work. Perhaps we even think about retiring from the commitments that we have within the church and committees in the church or within the office bearers. Or we retire from other organizations as if we no longer have anything left to contribute. That's the one side. On the other side, we have the younger generation. And the younger generation are often only too happy for the, for the older generation to move on so that they can implement their own ideas. And sometimes the younger generation may feel they're being stifled by the older ones. Right? It can seem that the older generation stands in the way of progress and they cling to doing things the old way. Well, beloved, both attitudes described here are unbiblical. The Bible does not recognize retirement in the, in the sense that we often think about retirement. But the elderly are expected to be active and to be fruitful right into their old age. So the question is, so how do we then still bear fruit in our old age? Well, let me try to illustrate this maybe with a, a story. Think about a society, a group of people who decide that since the elderly are no longer making any real contributions to society and become more of a drag and a burden on society, it's best that they all die a good death. They called it euthanasia. And so they euthanized all the elderly. But very soon a problem arose in that society. People began to discover 
that they're running out of food. And the reason that they're running out of food was that nobody knew how to plant seeds in the ground. And nobody knew how to grow food from the fields. And without being able to grow new food, soon they were going to run out of the supply of food that they had, and they would all die. And one of the people said, you know, my grandfather knows how to plant seeds. He knows how to make food grow. But you must promise. You must promise that when I bring him to you, that you will not put him to death. And they promised. And so the old man came out and, and he taught the people how to plant the seeds and how to make the, seed, how the plants grow and, and how they could harvest the food from the field. And so they realized that while the elderly might not be able to do the hard work anymore, yet the knowledge and the wisdom that they had gained over the many years of their life was still very valuable to society and was very important for the well-being of their society. Suddenly became, they began to realize that they could not survive without the wisdom and the knowledge of this elderly person. My beloved, within the church... The knowledge and the experience of the elderly is, I, could, I would say, even more critical. For an elderly man and woman has gained much experience and much wisdom over the years in their relationship with the Lord. The elderly then also need to understand that you have an important role within the church. And that role doesn't mean that you need to be the leaders in everything. It doesn't mean that you need to do all the work in the church. I think in the Old Testament, the priests had to retire when they were 50 years of age. But they were instructed that although they were retired, yet they were to assist the younger ones in their work as priests in Israel. And so when you become older, it doesn't mean that you should take over everything from those who are younger or that you need to be in control. But it means that you need to be there to assist with wise counsel and help. And so you bear fruit by being an important influence in the lives of all the members of the congregation. Notice that the, what the psalmist says about the elderly in verse 15. He says, they will bear fruit in old age, proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Right? When we become older, we gain life experience. We have seen how the Lord was working in so many ways in our own personal lives and in the life of others. And there may have been times also in your life when you may have thought, but the Lord is not being fair. The Lord is not being just. The Lord is not doing what is right. And we think the Lord should have done things differently. And then many years later you look back and you say, oh, but the ways of the Lord they were good. They were good and they were wise. And so when you look back, there are so many times that you can say, the Lord was my rock. And it was, and if he was not there with me, I would not have made it. From my life experience, I can confess that there was no wickedness in the ways of the Lord. All his ways are good and just and right. And so in my old age, I can speak to my younger brothers and my sisters. Yes, I can also speak to those who may be straying away from the Lord. Sometimes also the elders feel like, all their, like all the, uh, it is on their responsibility to go run after those who are walking away. 
But here also the elderly also have the time to be able to, to walk after them and to, to encourage those who may be straying away from the ways of the Lord. And you may tell the youth, and you may tell those who are younger, the Lord is a Lord who has shown his love and his care. So that you can speak to your younger brothers and sisters with the words of the psalmist, you, Lord, have shown your love and you have shown your faithfulness from early in the morning till late at night. You did that through my whole life. So that in our old age, we can sing the words of verse 5. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. Yes, you may speak those words to others. You may speak about your experiences of the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness towards you. You may speak the words of verse 10 where he recalls how the Lord has exalted my horn. Now the horn here is a symbol of of our strength. He's exalted my horn, my strength like that of a wild ox. In other words, he's made me strong throughout my life. Fresh or fine oils have been poured upon me. So you notice how this psalmist speaks about how the Lord has a strength in his li- was a strength in his life. How the Lord has blessed him with many fine riches. So we love it. What the elderly have, you can say, is a memory. You have a memory of the things the Lord God has done for you in the past. This week, I visited an older, older lady in the congregation, and we are just talking about the Lord's ways in our life. And she began to relate to me uh, some stories about also those immigrant years and how difficult those years were. But she looks back and she says, but oh, how the Lord has blessed us also through those years. As elderly, you can speak to others about the Lord's goodness, how the Lord also cared in your life. And so, beloved, you can also encourage the younger generation to hold on to the Lord. Encourage them to remain faithful to him, for you may also proclaim he is the rock on which you too can build your life. And so you can tell the younger generation the stories of your life, stories that teach them about the goodness and the faithfulness of your Lord. You know, when you look at the history of the people of Israel, what you'll notice in the history of Israel is that when the elderly in Israel were faithful to the Lord, then Israel also remained faithful to the Lord. But when the elderly became unfaithful, then Israel also became unfaithful. And the same is true for the church today. When the elderly remain faithful, the church will remain faithful and is blessed. For the elderly then will also teach the the youth about God's faithfulness, and the youth will be inspired by the testimony of their elders. And therefore... Beloved, we need to recognize the vital role that the elderly still play in the well-being of the church. But as elderly, you also need to be careful. You need to be careful that you do not become critical about everything in the church as if you're trying to maintain old ways of doing things. For God's role for you is not that you become critical and that you try to control how things are being done. But in your old age, The Lord may also give you wisdom. Wisdom to give a positive testimony to your own faith. A positive testimony in which you also encourage the other members that they put their hope, that they put their trust in the Lord God. For only when they put their hope and their trust in the Lord will they then also remain faithful to the Lord. 
And so it's good. It's good to praise the Lord. It's good to praise His love in the morning and His faithfulness at night. And when you give that testimony day and night, beloved, then you will also bear fruit. Yes, even into old age. Amen.